0: will start church, chirp, there's a body on the floor Yellow flag in the air, they screaming I can't take no more M.I.A. to the DMV, yeah we hold it down Big Chief on my jersey, yeah you know how we get down It's the fade route, we don't play now, we don't play now. All these other shows get no plays now. They get on plays now They don't got Big J on the stage now Think they, they high but they don't even got the chance they now, got the chance now. Hello and welcome back to the Fade Route on our new days. This is Tuesday and this will be the day that the Fade Route will be on from here from here on. So my name is Evan Johnson. Welcome back to another episode. I'm going to make this one a little bit shorter today, or at least I'm going to try because it's a nice day outside. So I'm trying to get outside. And also my throat's kind of hurting a little bit. So it's kind of like hurting the talk. So first we're going to get into... The big story, which was the Super Bowl. And honestly, there was a lot there was a lot more negatives than it was positive. I try to be like on the positive side, but there were just a lot more negatives for not just the Super Bowl, but the entire week than it was for the positives. First of all, in the week leading up to the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl wasn't even the number one story in the country. No, the number one story in the week leading up to the Super Bowl was just The Porzingis trade, like for those that don't know, for those that don't follow the NBA or follow the NBA. Well, the New York Knicks and the Dallas Mavericks this this past week, they got into a trade. I mean, they they made a trade to send Christoph Porzingis, who was basically the star player on the Knicks, onto Dallas. And the Mavericks in return set up DeAndre Jordan to New York. So that was the number one story that just took the whole week away from the Super Bowl. And the NBA trade deadline kind of just latched onto that. And now, instead of Tom Brady and, and Jared Goff and Bill Belichick, everybody was talking about Anthony Davis, Kristaps Porzingis, and Lonzo Ball, so far and so forth. Like, the Super Bowl just took... The Super Bowl took a backseat. This was supposed to be, like, the NFL's biggest weekend, and the Super Bowl really just took a backseat. Like... If you didn't like if you didn't know any better, you think that this would you think that this would be the Pro Bowl week. Like the NFL didn't really get much much airtime. And then we get to the actual game and Well, I don't want to call it boring because honestly, I've been thinking like if you really think the game was boring, then just admit that you're only here for the touchdowns and go, man. Just admit you're a casual fan, because I'm a defensive guy myself, and I'm the type that thinks that defense wins championships. That's, I mean, I get that that saying's been said a lot, but the Patriots literally just proved it on Sunday, that defense wins championships. I mean, sure, they only scored 13 points, and there was only one touchdown the entire game, but they held the Rams to three, and New England just suffocated LA's offense the entire game and while the Rams defense was able to keep them in the game for pretty much the entire time the Patriots eventually warmed down and started going on drives at the end of the 4th quarter got themselves a touchdown and they got themselves a field goal with under 2 minutes left to salt it away and that's why they won the Super Bowl and that's why they are they now have 6 and Fun fact, that was the first time in Patriots history that they won a Super Bowl rematch. It was the third opportunity, too. Like, they are now one and two in Super Bowl rematches. But here's the thing. I'm going to talk about, you know, everybody has beef for the Patriots. A lot, a lot of people don't like the Patriots because they win all the time. And really, that's why you can't put the Patriots up in the category of, the most hated teams in like all of sports, and certainly not of all time, because most people just hate the Patriots because they win all the time, because they're in the Super Bowl every year. But once this core breaks up, once Brady retires and Belichick retires, people are gonna look back at this stretch and think that this was one of the best this was one of the best runs of all time that any team has had of all time. The hate is going to turn into admiration. Like, so in other words, when a team is hated because they win all the time like the Patriots or, say, the NBA's Golden State Warriors, that hate turns to admiration once... I mean, that hate doesn't last. It turns into admiration once the core that's making them win all the time breaks up. Now, teams that really are hated, like, the the hate that really does hold up is hatred for teams based on fans or, say, because they had a dirty player or two, like, say, Cowboys fans and Eagles fans and, and like, maybe even, like, the Monsters of the Midway. Like, that kind of hatred holds up. And while not a lot of people hate the Bears in this area of the country, in the Midwest, it's completely different. Like, but anyway, that's why not a lot of people... I mean that's why, again, like once Brady and Belichick retire, everybody's gonna look back on this run for the Patriots with adoration, instead of, instead of hatred. Now, the disappointed thing for me was that, like Sean McVay, I was really rooting for Sean McVay, and their offense basically laid up a like, laid a goose egg, and this was after, on the first drive of the game. They got a tip ball for an interception. And they had two tries to get into the end zone. They had two golden opportunities, but could not convert. But, hey, in the preseason, actually, I said, I predicted the Rams to not only go to the Super Bowl, but win it. However, I predicted them to beat the Jaguars. And that prediction kind of fell on its face. So the Rams were, like, the Rams what got the Rams to the Super Bowl was really their defense. Their offense is great, but their defense is what got them to the Super Bowl. What got them that far? So big props to them on that. And I know Jared Goff's only going to come back stronger, mainly because next year is a uh, next year is the last year of his rookie deal. So it's a contract year for Goff. So of course he's going to come out stronger because now other teams is going to be looking at him. So. That leads me into next season and what I think the NFL is going to look like next season. I would do like way too early rankings, but I don't really get the point of those honestly because at this point in the season, everybody has the exact same team they had when the season was over minus the impending free agents. Like everybody who everybody whose contract was up after this season. Like if so in other words, Everybody whose contract is not up after 2018, they're still on the team, like, for now. Like, of course, we don't know who's going to get cut, who's going to get traded. All that's going to sort itself out in March and April. (laughs) Like, for now, we don't really know much about next season. But honestly, I'm expecting if there's one team to kind of, like, make a splash and try to, like, sign a bunch of big names, like it's going to like shock the NFL world this this free agency period. I predict it's going to be the Niners because even though San Francisco finished at the bottom of the league, a good proportion of that was because Jimmy Garoppolo was injured. Now, with Garoppolo back and the Niners getting a, getting a wide receiver like say a Golden Tate or an Antonio Brown via trade, or maybe even a Jamison Crowder, then this is a Niners team that actually might be able to contend with the Rams for the NFC West, and possibly even the NFC in general. Yeah, so the Saints are going to have a lot more competition next year if they want to get that rematch with the Rams that they so desperately want. And speaking of Saints and New Orleans in general, the Super Bowl, this year's Super Bowl had the lowest Rating of any Super Bowl in the last ten years, and guess where it rated the lowest in terms of markets. Guess which market it scored the lowest rating in. That's right, good old New Orleans. And honestly, I don't blame them because the game was not inc- like the game was not exciting at all. And then you get, to, I mean, I love the defense. Don't get me wrong, I love the defense, but it was three to three after 3 quarters. And while both teams defenses were balling out in this game, 3 to 3 after 3, that's a baseball score like they got it got to a point where I was like, are we sure this isn't just the Dodgers and the Red Sox again or like like maybe like the Bruins and the Kings for those who watch hockey? But big props to both defenses and honestly, even though Julian Edelman got the Super Bowl MVP and honestly he deserved it because Julian Edelman for a good portion of the game was the only player on either offense that was actually doing anything honestly I think the Patriots defense got robbed and really that's because when people give out awards like MVP and like player of the year there is an unspoken bias towards offensive players because even though defensive guys like those in the... I'm going to use examples of those in the Super Bowl. that just played in the Super Bowl like say an Aaron Donald or a Van Noy. They might get all up in quarterbacks' faces. They might get sacks. They might get a bunch of tackles and all that. At the end of the day, they don't get like... You know, at the end of the day, they average zero pass yards per game. Zero rush yards per game. And they don't score any touchdowns. I'm pretty sure neither one of them scored a touchdown all season long, and those are the exciting numbers that the n f l tries to use to pull in viewers like so in other words, Aaron Donald and Van Noy they don't really set off fireworks. they stop the other team from setting off fireworks but since they're like since stats aren't really like as numerous for defensive players as they are for offensive players offensive players seem to get the benefit of the doubt most often and that's why when often oftentimes when we see a team that has a strong defense but a mediocre at best offense kind of like the Redskins were in the first half of the season everybody's looking at them like Everybody's looking at them, saying, "Oh, they don't score enough. They don't run the ball enough. They don't pass the ball enough. This can't hold up in the playoffs." Blah blah blah. There's that in the third. But the thing is, it's like I always, it's like I always say, like the NFL has a very obvious, a very noticeable pattern to it, and this is really sports in general. Offense sells tickets, but defense wins championships offense gets people in the stadium, and defense sends them home happy. So, in other words, what I'm trying to get at is, I would rather, like, in other words, what good is scoring if you can't stop the other team from scoring? Because if you put up, like, if if your team, like, if your offense averages, what, say, 35 points a game, and your defense gives up 38 you're gonna lose a lot more times than you win, but on the other, but on the other side, say your offense averages about twenty points a game and your defense gives up seventeen. That sounds like a winning formula to me. Because truth be told, I would rather have a team with a like a mediocre offense and a great defense over a team with a great offense and a mediocre defense any day. Because when you go up against Because a team with a good offense and a bad defense is easier to beat than the the other way around. The reason for that being is because when you go up against a team with a good offense and a bad defense, I mean, sure, they can score. like They can light up the scoreboard, but their defense can't stop you from doing the same. So now all your defense has to do is stop them one time and you win. Meanwhile, when you face a team with a bad offense, a mediocre offense and a good defense, now all of a sudden, they're not going to be lighting up the scoreboard because they don't have the offensive firepower for that. However, their defense is good enough that they won't let you you score. They won't let you score too many points either. So, now we're in a situation where where you have to or your defense, even though their offense isn't particularly that talented, your defense now has to stop them every single time or else you're not going to win that game. So like, do you see the picture now? Because that's where this is headed. So also this season, the NFL MVP went to Patrick Mahomes. And honestly, I think the kid deserves it. I mean, in his first season, as his first full season as starter, his second year out of Texas Tech, this I expected. I didn't expect a lot from the Chiefs. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I expected like seven and nine, nine and seven at the best. To say Patrick Mahomes surpassed my expectations is an understatement. This man was lighting up the league. This man like he got a cannon. He could throw deep. He could throw short passes. He could throw sidearm like I throw. I saw him throw so many sidearm passes. I thought he was I thought he played shortstop for the Royals. <laughs> Cuz for those that don't know, the Royals are the baseball team that plays in Kansas City just like the Chiefs, just like the Chiefs play in Kansas City. So yeah, I thought he played for the Royals. <laughs> so um I'm I'm excited to see even though I'm not a Chiefs fan, I'm I'm excited to see what Patrick Mahomes does like Going forward, like going forward, because he still has two more years on it. Like he still has two more years in Kansas City, at least. So, Chiefs fans, your future is looking as bright as the sun right now. Just get a couple, like get a couple defensive dudes, and you're good. Now, when it comes to the rookie of the year, Saquon Barkley. This was this was a tough call between Saquon Barkley. I would say Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes would get the Ben Simmons treatment in the, in the fact that like in the sense that this wouldn't be like this wasn't Mahomes' rookie season. This was actually his second year. He was back in he was sitting on the bench behind Alex Smith last year that was which was his rookie year. But honestly, I feel like Saquon Barkley did deserve it at the end of the day because the dude was putting up numbers for New York and honestly I was saying this at the beginning, like, when the Giants drafted him, and everybody was like, oh, they should have drafted a quarterback. I'm thinking this actually wasn't a mistake because of, cause when you think about it, at the time, the Giants were in desperate need of a running back, and Saquon Barkley was the best running back in the draft, so it really just made sense. So now, for the Giants going forward... A lot of people say, "Oh, draft a quarterback now," but I'm thinking, "Hold up, hold up." The quarterback market isn't that strong, so what I do is draft an offensive lineman first, and then draft a quarterback next year, or at least that's what I would do if I was the, was the Giants. And yeah, now, now my throat's starting to get get to me, but I would be remiss if I was talking about the Super Bowl in this podcast and I did not bring up the NFL 100 commercial. The NFL 100 commercial was by far and away the single best commercial in like in the Super Bowl. You had a bunch of like you had a bunch of star talent, both new stars and old stars. You had you had them all just throwing a ball around the room, having a good time, living their best life. You had Saquon Barkley jumping over people. You had Terry Bradshaw <laughs> Terry Bradshaw throwing. You had a little immaculate, a reenactment of the Immaculate Reception. It was just everything you could ask for. The NFL pulled out all the stops for that commercial. They really did. And that's gotten me and really after the Super Bowl, it was like really given everything else that happened in the Super Bowl and Super Bowl week, it was kinda hard to get excited for the NFL's season next year, but now I am excited. And I'm intrigued because the NFL is doing something a little bit different than what they do normally. Because normally, the NFL opens up with the defending Super Bowl champion, in which case that would be the New England Patriots, with a home game on that Thursday night, on the second Thursday night of September. But this time around, they're opening up with an age-old rivalry between the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, which means... um, And actually, to backtrack a little bit, for Redskins fans, where the Redskins are concerned in this, since the Patriots won the Super Bowl, which means they're going to have a home game in Week 1, that means, Redskins fans, we can breathe a slight sigh of relief because the Redskins will not be playing the Patriots in Week 1. This is because, since the Patriots won the Super Bowl, they're going to have a home game in Week 1. And... The Patriots don't host the Redskins. I mean, the Reds and Patriots do play the Redskins this season, but that game is at FedEx Field. So, since FedEx Field is not the home field for the Patriots, they're not gonna like they're not coming here week one. Honestly, if you want my prediction of the 2019 NFL schedule, I think the Redskins' week one opponent will be the Detroit Lions because the Lions come to FedEx Field this coming like this coming this coming season and i feel like the nfl is going to start the redskins off with something to just easily slide in the one o'clock slide, because if you've paid if you paid attention what the nfl likes to do is they like to alternate whether a team starts at home and on the road such a like kind of like how the redskins opened up last year in arizona and the year before that they opened at home against the eagles so they're alternating so this will be the time, this will be the time for a home game, and honestly, I think that'd be the Lions. And since the Redskins always seem to get a Monday night game, which honestly I interpret as ESPN given like as ESPN's annual chance to laugh at us, I honestly feel like this time around the Redskins Monday night game, if they do, if and when they do get one. Week three in Minnesota. And I think we all know why they would choose the Minnesota game. Because that would be the first time ever where the Redskins go up against Kirk Cousins. Like, that's a big storyline in and of itself. And how... And how... After everything, after everything that went down with the Redskins franchise tag, tagging, tagging Kirk twice, and then letting him go, and him getting picked up by the Vikings and nearly making the playoffs, although that's not to say the Redskins weren't in the mix until Week 16, but I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, because honestly, when you look at a talent standpoint, the Redskins and Vikings aren't really that separate. I mean, the Vikings have, I mean or at least the 2018 Redskins and 2018 Vikings. We don't know what's going to happen in 2019 yet. But on the whole, the 2018 Vikings offense looked looked better than the Redskins offense. When when we compare defenses, I honestly give the edge to the Redskins defense because the Redskins defense was a pivotal part in the Redskins starting out as well as they did at 6-3. The Vikings defense kind of... Vikings, the Vikings really could have, I'm going to go as far as say the Vikings could have won the NFC North, but their problem is, their problem was that they were too inconsistent. One week they looked like world beaters, and then the next week they're getting, they're getting stomped and torn apart by teams like the Bills. Like, one week they're going toe-to-toe with the Patriots, and the next, and the next week, the next week they're struggling with the Lions. that was their inconsistency, so yeah, Redskins in Minnesota that will be the Monday night game and honestly i I feel like since the Redskins have actually proven to to be a good game when they when they played in Dallas the three times prior in Thanksgiving, I think the Redskins will get another Thanksgiving game in Dallas because I mean. It was a good game the first three times. To- it was at least a watchable game the first three times. Although what you can what not a lot of people will give the Redskins credit for is that if you put the Redskins in any primetime slot except Monday Night Football, they actually make for a good game. Because the Redskins, not this past Thanksgiving, but the Thanksgiving before that actually won. They beat the Giants at home. They've actually. Won twice on Thanksgiving in this decade, 2012 and 2017. And then when you get to Sunday night football, the Redskins have won two in a row. They beat the Raiders, like they beat the Raiders in 2017, and the last time before that, they beat the Packers in 2016. So the Redskins have won two games in a row on Sunday night football. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when the Redskins started to win on Sunday night, they stopped putting the redskins on sunday night that's part of that's part of what I believe to be a media bias against the Redskins because of the name, and honestly, I don't blame them for that because personally, I think the Redskins are cursed, and the name is the reason why because every time the Redskins start to get any sense of good like Anytime the Redskins start to get anything good working in their favor, literally everything goes wrong. Every single time. Personally, I feel like this would all go away if the Redskins changed their names to like the Warriors, the Washington Warriors, because that kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit. And then move to, and then move back to RFK. Because honestly, as a DC sports fan, I miss getting off at Stadium Armory to go to RFK and watch a sports game and watch a sporting event. Although honestly, as a millennial DC sports fan, I only remember RFK as the first place that the Nationals played, the Nationals being the baseball team here in DC. But I I keep hearing stories of the Redskins time at RFK and I really, really wish I was alive to see that. Because it sounds like a lot of good teams, man. And now I get to thinking on the topic of Super Bowl champions. Who was the greatest Super Bowl? What was the greatest Super Bowl champion team of all time? Because honestly, I could see arguments for the 72 Dolphins because they were the only undefeated team in NFL history. I could see arguments for the the Bears team that won it because they had such a dominant defense, or maybe you had the Packers team the Packers teams with Bart Starr. Or you could throw the Redskins in there with Doug Williams and Art Monk. Like one of the Redskins teams. It's got my mind puzzled. It's got my mind puzzling for a second. like who was the greatest team to win the Super Bowl in NFL history. I'm gonna put a poll up Actually, no, I'm gonna just phrase that as an open question at like right after this podcast. Who was the greatest team? Uh, who was the greatest Super Bowl champion of all time? Be sure to leave your responses under my Twitter at the voice of Evan. Be sure to add me. I w- like, like be sure to add me because I will add back. We can start a nice little conversation, nice little back and forth, because I like to interact with with my like, I like to interact with my followers, man. It's not just like when you see me tweeting. I'm not just tweeting at you. I'm trying to tweet with you, like some like sometimes like when I'm watching games, not just the Redskins, but just like say the Wizards, the Nationals, the Capitals. Yes, I do watch hockey. Just pretty much any sport because I'm hip to everything. Like that's just something about me and J I I liked I don't see myself as tweeting at you. I'm tweeting with you. So like if you see me on my time if you see me on your timeline, don't be afraid to say hi because <laughs> I like a little back and forth every now and then. But yeah, as this episode of the fade route comes to a close, personally I'd like to thank my throat for holding up as well as it did, because I it feels a little bit scratchy right now, but that's kind of like because of the change in temperature. And I was doing a lot of yelling this weekend. Really not, I mean, not really a lot for the Super Bowl, but really for my school, Bowie State, which had a pretty exciting doubleheader this past Saturday against Elizabeth City State University. But maybe I'll get into that another time. But Yeah. Shout outs to the Post Podcast Network for putting up with me as I went through this transition because it wasn't easy. Like, I think it was a couple of weeks where I missed the podcast. My like my bad on all that, man. My bad. And I want like I want y'all to get I want to give y'all a chance to To listen to everybody else on Post Podcast Network because we got a lot of great podcasts over here. And I want to like take the time out right now, in like the final minute of this broadcast, final minute of this podcast, to thank them for welcoming welcoming me in with open arms, helping to get me started. Because I mean, like, and just being being right there with me for like the whole the, every step of the way. Because I really appreciate that. Because like we got a family atmosphere at Pulse Podcast Network, and. These like everybody in the group chat is like my bros, man. I mean, I could talk a little bit more in that group chat, but they like my bros. They know. They know. It's the kind of silent understanding that we got. But yeah, right now your boy is off to enjoy the fine weather, and then yeah, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just enjoy the fine weather, and I'm gonna kick back the rest of the day. So I love y'all. Until next time, this is Evan Johnson saying stay pretty, and. Go outside and enjoy that fine weather today unless it's cold where you at. All right, see ya.